0: Hi there guys, we are Total Space. Today we're talking space. We've got launch updates, Starlink, Mars Society Convention, NASA tipping point contracts and ULA. I'm another Space Nut. I'm Ryan from the Space Update.
1: My name is Mikko.
0: Let's get stuck into today's episode.
2: Okay, so launch update the past week, uh, on the 13th of October, we had uh, New Shepard, 7th uh, launch and land of that little booster. Um, they launched a few little payloads just up to the edge of space and then slowly flo- floated back down. Uh, they also had some uh, NASA sensors on there for the uh, lunar lander. And then on the 14th of October, we had that Soyuz rocket sending to the International Space Station in a record 3 hours and 3 minutes. The fastest ever point-to-point travel. And then on the 18th of October, we had Starlink 14 launch and land, and that double catch. And coming up, we've got Rocket Lab on the 15th. and That's their 15th launch. Uh, It's launch 17, where they're going to start catching the boosters. And then um, Starlink 15 on Wednesday, the 21st.
1: That's quite interesting. Two Starlink missions going within a few days of each other. We haven't seen that before. I think we can find the reason for this from GPS launch scrub earlier this month. Elon tweeted after the scrub that, which happened two seconds before liftoff, that there was unexpected unexpected pressure rise in the tuba machinery gas generator. Sometime after that, NASA moved crew one flight and seems like GPS and NREL-108 are on hold as well due to SpaceX investigating the issue. We got more information from Sentinel-6 mission briefing from a NASA launch service provider representative. He said that SpaceX has rigorously been testing engines in McGregor and some modifications will happen, like some physical modifications. He also said that they would be completed before sending a launch date, which is 10th November. So, my speculation is that SpaceX already made modifications to these two Starlink boosters and are now testing those out. Before the weekend Starlink launch, we also had a static fire, which have not been SpaceX its usual way anymore. I think it's just mind-boggling how SpaceX can just say to the customer, Hey, could you wait a while while we fly a couple of rockets to test out the fix? So you don't have to take the risk. Just imagine this situation on other rockets like Ariane 5 or Atlas 5.
2: Yeah, I think uh, SpaceX—they have that—that uh, that many rockets at the moment, um, especially reused ones. they just some of them are just that reliable because they've already flown three, four, or five times. It's not a brand new brand new rocket, like you see with ULA and others. Um, the brand new rocket might have issues, and they have to iron those out. Whereas SpaceX, uh, like we've seen with that last uh, Starlink launch, that was actually the sixth launch and landing of that booster? I believe. Yeah, it was the sixth
1: launch and landing, and that was the second booster to do that.
2: Yeah, and they're uh, like you say, they're doing a lot of, a lot of uh, testing and everything in the background. They always seem to have a little hiccups with some of the new boosters. I don't know why, but once it's flown two or three times, it seems to be seems to get more reliable. To be honest.
1: Yeah, they never seem to have problems with a used booster, and. Being the most used launch vehicle today, I wouldn't be scared to put a payload on the rocket even after a couple of scraps.
0: I think the uh, fairings are the one that they're having issues with, aren't they? I know I saw a picture yesterday. I believe it was you, Ryan, that sent it over, or you, net with a shiny fairing looking like it's going to get smashed to pieces on its way back to coast.
2: The rumor was that it it landed heavy on one corner and caused the net to collapse.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, SpaceX uh, webcast hosts actually confirmed that it dropped out of some hole in the net. They actually caught both of
2: the fairings. I think it's only the second time I think they've done that, or the third time? Yeah, I think so too. They always seem to catch at least one. Uh, occasionally none of them, but um, I think they've only done it once previously. Uh, I think maybe three or four months ago, earlier on in the year. All
1: right, let's talk about this year's NASA's Tipping Point selections. There were three subcategories, and the first category was Cryogenic Fluid Management Technology Demonstration. First, we have ETA Space with a 27 million price that will fly a complete cryogenic oxygen fluid management system on Rocket Lab's Proton satellite, and it it's going to stay in orbit for nine months.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to know that um, I think that's the first uh, really declared use of the kick stage, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. So then we have Lockheed Martin getting 89 million for an in-space demonstration mission using liquid hydrogen. There are, they are testing more than a dozen cryogenic fluid management technologies, positioning them for infusion into future space systems. And while we are at it, there's also ULA on the list, and they are getting 86 million for a demonstration of a smart propulsion cryogenic system using liquid oxygen and hydrogen, on a Vulcan Center upper stage. The system will test precise tank pressure control, tank-to-tank transfer, and multi week propellant storage.
2: So, what do you think about those? I mean, looking from the numbers again, you can see the two big, big dogs of the space world, Lockheed Martin and ULA, typically getting the larger chunks of money. And then you've got SpaceX doing their fuel transfer uh, 53 million around like that but um, literally getting 53 million for something they're already technically doing um, anyway which is uh, an easy one for them by the sounds of it
1: yeah exactly just transfer 10 tons of cryogenic propellant specifically liquid oxygen between tanks on a Starship vehicle so it's going to be a single Starship vehicle maybe from the header tanks to the main tanks and that's really something they would probably do in just a regular mission.
2: Yeah I think the Starship's technically set up to do that anyway so it's just kind of it's carrying some one of the cargo ones might be carrying up to 100 metric tons anyway, regardless so it'll just be just transfer a few to the actual fuel tanks and we'll just fire up the engine again.
1: Yeah, I'm not seeing any problems there.
0: I mean, we watch SpaceX pumping uh, cryogenic propellants in and out of Starships quite regularly down at Boca Chica. Um, you know, so it's, it's just another day for SpaceX, isn't it? Another day at the office, we'll just send a ship up, transfer 10 metric tons of cryogenic propellants uh, from one ship to another, and then we'll just bring the rockets back down home and use them at a later date.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Only thing they have to think about is microgravity, so how the liquids will flow through the tanks.
2: And I believe the Lockheed Martin one, what they're trying to do is harness liquid liquid hydrogen so it doesn't, because I think I believe liquid hydrogen boils off a lot slower than uh, LOX and methane. So I believe they're trying to reduce the amount of boil off, because obviously if you have Starship, um, all these different fuel stations lined up for the Mars mission because Starship's going to have to fuel up four, five, six times and um, if you have these little stations waiting for Starship to come along you're going to lose a percentage of fuel just by boil-off so I think Lockheed Martin what they're doing with their eight, nine million is to reduce boil-off in, in orbit of actual cryogenic uh, propellants.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. and. The liquid hydrogen they are using is the most challenging of the cryogenic propellants. It will boil off very easily. Uh, liquid oxy- oxygen and methane are about the same, I would say.
2: Yeah, they're the same. I think liquid hydrogen is the, the slowest of the two.
1: Yeah, hydrogen is the most challenging one.
2: Some of the other companies, upon uh a couple of million just for like um, tests on the lunar surface and stuff like that to test um, experiments in the lunar environment. Um, so you've got Alpha Space Test and Research Alliance of Houston, they've got 22.1 million uh, to do some tests on the lunar surface.
1: Yeah, those are quite interesting tests. There's, there's also Astrobotic, which is going to get just about six million to mature and demonstrate a fast wireless charging system. That addresses challenges associated with using the technology on moon the effort will build and deliver flight units for potential use on commercial robotic landers then we have intuitive machines they will develop a small deployable hopper lander it's capable of carrying a one kilogram payload more than two and a half kilometers then i think one of the most interesting is nokia so they are planning to deploy 4G communication systems in space. How about that? Then we have one familiar company there, Sierra Nevada Corporation, and they will develop a demonstration-scale hardware that uses methane and concentrated solar energy to extract oxygen from lunar regolith.
0: I like the Maxar um, award of 8.7 Million as well to develop a lighter and less expensive robotic arm for lunar surface applications.
2: Yeah,
1: they all do very interesting stuff.
0: Just it just makes you realize there's a lot more going
2: on rather than just the big dogs doing the uh all these massive new rockets going to the moon, the Mars, and beyond, and satellites and everything else. There's all these other little companies in the background doing all the essential stuff that you don't really think about sometimes, like the Terraria Nevada maybe not a small company obviously, but 2.4 million to extract oxygen from lunar regolith. That's incredibly important, for, especially for refueling on the moon surface.
0: Yeah, just for breathing. Yeah, that is one added bonus to having oxygen on another planet, isn't it? The ability to breathe.
1: Yeah, that would be quite challenging
0: otherwise. So, I mean, Mast and Space are a quite interesting uh, award winner on this list because not only do they have the uh, closed loop descent and landing demonstration, but they're also part of the um, innovative technologies category as well, which is quite interesting to know that one company's won two separate awards.
1: Yeah, it looks like the other prize is for chemical heat and electrical power source attachment. No? Sounds interesting. There was also quite a few other uh, power generating prices.
2: And I'm sure there's probably a few more to come. I mean, the amount of companies involved with the, the lunar mission alone, or the Artemis program, is just growing by the months, by the looks of it. Um, the UK has just signed a deal with the US to uh, get involved a lot, a lot more. They already have been involved with uh, basic technology for the SLS rocket and other bits.
1: Yeah, so that was NASA Tipping Point 2020.
0: So did you guys catch any of the uh, Mars Society 2020 viral convention this year? Some quite interesting stuff. What are your favorites?
1: Yeah, I, I spent hours watching, <laughs> watching those presentations. I think one of the most important was Mars Direct version 3 and there was also some nuclear Propulsion that were really interesting, as well as some greenhouses and habitats.
2: I'm still catching up on it all at the moment. Um, I've been really busy just getting articles sorted and everything, but I've seen like bits flying around on social media about Elon, Elon Musk saying everyone should be uh, more reusable and stuff like that. I
0: know, um, just touching on what Miko said, uh, I would agree that Mars Direct 3 was definitely one of the superior talks
2: there. Okay I'm going to move on to uh, my topic now, I'm uh, going to talk ULA and all their launch systems. Um, ULA is actually made up of Lockheed Martin and Boeing, uh, it's a joint venture uh, ULA, it's not a separate company and everything. Um, the two main rockets at the moment is the uh, Delta IV Heavy and the Atlas V. Um, Atlas V was actually 2002 that one was made and designed by Lockheed Martin prior to ULA Joined well joint forces Boeing and Lockheed Martin and uh, the Delta Delta 4 Heavy was uh, a joint project from Boeing and Lockheed um, but there's been a lot of problems with the uh, the Delta rocket lately um, as you probably know Scrub City um, I've lost count of the amount of times that Delta 4 and Enrol 44 has got cancelled due to problems with the rocket, problems with the pad, and God knows what else. Um, but uh, a short while ago, uh, pinged a message to Tori Bruno, and he revealed to me that um, Delta IV Heavy's actually only got five launches left, including this one that's a bit grounded at the moment. So that's going to be decommissioned at some point, uh, uh, very early next year, in line for the launch of Vulcan um, but by the looks of it they're keeping on the older Atlas 5 rocket um, which is quite kind of understandable really because a lot of t- technology that's going to be in Vulcan is already in Atlas 5 right now so the Atlas 5 in 2002 is, is completely different to the Atlas 5 currently today that's launched the likes of Osiris Rex that's about to literally has been, or touched the uh, Asteroid at Renew, getting some samples from the surface there. And it's launched Curiosity Rover, the the Perseverance Rover, New Horizons, um, incredible rocket, the Atlas V, and believe that one's going to be running so easily until 2029, possibly. A lot of the rockets seem to run for a good 30 years if they are successful. Um, what are your, your guys' thoughts on the, um, the Delta rocket being took out in commission next year? I mean, it's a sad thing
1: because Delta rockets have been quite reliable and who doesn't love a rocket that lights it, itself on fire?
2: Yeah. and. Um, it's absolutely insane the way to call it the, the metal rocket. Sorry, Bruno and the Fuels call it because it's no, the rocket sets itself on fire before launch. And pretty metal.
0: <laughs> like a lot of people have bad things to say about um, ULA and I know they cost plus and I myself am responsible for saying a few negative things but at the same time I encourage any launch provider that is sending things to space to continue doing that you know even if that is in a cost plus way can't argue with the technology either you know it it took men to the moon taking things to space for us still today
1: Yeah, uh, ULA still has some advantages over SpaceX Uh, for example they have never lost a rocket in a ULA time and one of the features that the rocket has is adjustable launch windows because they can launch within half an hour window and SpaceX basically has to go with the zero-second launch opportunity
2: Yeah, you have that uh, unique window, so if they do need to postpone or hold, we have the opportunity to hold for 10-15 or minutes and then go for launch again, whereas SpaceX, it's literally launch or stop it.
1: Yeah, SpaceX used to have a lot of problems with those cryogenic propellants that need, need the one second launch window because otherwise the propellants would just boil off.
2: Yeah, yeah. And some often forget that although Falcon Heavy is the most powerful rocket at the moment, the Delta Four Heavy can actually lift more than the Falcon 9 Heavy.
1: For low-Earth orbit, Falcon Heavy is the king, but when you go towards high-energy missions, uh, towards the Sun or outer solar system, then Delta Four Heavy is still the king.
2: Definitely, definitely. When Vulcan comes online, it's transformed their uh, capability, I think. It seems Delta has just given them headache after headache at the moment with the the rocket. uh, They the a problem valve or something with the heating system or something like that in one of them. So Toy Bruno said, right, we'll switch them out on all three boosters, get it back on the pad and we'll just launch it. Put it back on the pad and then there was a problem with the swing arm on the pad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think I read somewhere that Enrol 44 mission has been on the pad for about 11 months. That's a long time.
2: Yeah, it's been postponed for quite a while. Uh, it got put off for quite a while because of bad weather. So they just said, right, we'll launch in two or three months' time. And it just landed on another part of uh, just problems going wrong, All, all left, right and centre with everyone. Because um, we had ULA cancelling rockets, SpaceX with one or two problems. Then we had even one of the Antares rockets from Wallop, NASA Wallops got pushed back slightly which was a cargo mission to the International Space Station, but that one seemed to get away eventually and make it to the International Space Station.
1: Yeah, seems like Scraptober is kind of over. We'll see how the rest of the month goes.
2: the 4 Heavy is going out next year, but Atlas V, it just must be an absolute workhorse because, again, Tori Bruno, one of his other sayings with that rocket, the Atlas V or the Atlas V, if you like, calls it the Dominator. I mean, if you look at its track record, what it's achieved in the past and future coming up, um, it's just absolutely unbelievable when you compare it to some of the rockets at the moment.
1: Yeah SpaceX only just months ago passed past the number of most launches
2: Yeah, I mean SpaceX are launching more than anyone else at the moment, Um, I mean per month if you like, or per year so far, but ULA has still got that superior, we'll launch that satellite in that orbit within two feet, literally ULA have just got that, although they're not reusable, they've got that superior technology and backers of the likes of Lockheed Martin who design and produce highly advanced aircraft and military products.
1: Yeah, they definitely have been a workforce for military
0: and air force.
1: I guess now it's time for SpaceX to take the throne.
0: I think SpaceX adds that little spice to things, you know, if you want somebody who can consistently launch things to space and has a really good track record of sending things to space, and you don't mind paying money for that reinsurance, then ULA is probably your go-to. You know, there's nobody else, I would say, as qualified as the ULA to launch things into space at present, but then SpaceX just sort of like, you know, it adds that missing ingredient of of starting to reuse rockets, starting to climb ranks, and starting to put things into space. Eventually, you know, like 30 years from now, SpaceX are gonna be the go-to regardless. If these big companies don't change,
1: Yeah, and one thing we didn't mention just yet is that I think all the United States Mars missions have flown on ULA rockets. That's quite the achievement.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that's partially down to the performance and accuracy in most of the Mars missions, if you look back, are all done on that Atlas V, and some of the most important satellite missions that are going beyond Earth quite often are done on the Atlas V and a handful have been done on the Delta. And obviously you've got Starliner, although it's been a bit dug down on Boeing's side, that's hopefully going to get sorted by the, probably early next year. I think it's being pushed back to now, but um, that's actually launching on the Atlas V, that one, not the Atlas Five, if you like to call it that. You'll have just got that superior track record at the end of the day, haven't they? Yeah,
1: they will certainly have a place in the history books. For Starliner, the uncrewed mission is scheduled for January 2021, and. I think the crude one would be in the summer of 2021 if the is successful.
2: It's worth noting as well the uh, the Atlas V that they're going to carry on using. There was originally a plan to make that a heavy uh, rocket with two side boosters, which would have been bigger than Delta. Um, similar kind of configuration of three large boosters in total, and uh, no solids on this one, the, the SRBs on the side if you like, and then just a uh, a whopping fairing on the top which would have been absolutely incredible but that idea got canned for some reason at the very beginning when they brought the atmosphere online in the early uh, 2000s they just went for keeping the small solid rocket boosters and just up to five anything from no boosters right up to five boosters strapped down so that option must have just seemed more flexible because if you look at the actual range of rockets um on the atlas v you've got 11 flight configurations of the atlas v uh, different fairing sizes different one booster rocket for the second stage or two and um, never really needed to because the uh, the engine on that is just absolutely immense um to uh, push the rocket into orbit
1: yeah I would think that they canceled the rocket because they had uh, Delta IV heavy so they probably didn't need more capacity and I saw a tweet from Tori Brunot. he had a model of the Vulcan rocket with two side boosters So that would be fun to see if they ever do that.
2: Yeah, it seems like uh, they always consider the crazy, over-the-top ideas. Because I saw that as well. It was literally uh, three core boosters, as like a heavy style rocket of a Vulcan, um, like the Atlas V. That was intended to be like that, but then it got cancelled. Whether we see the uh, the Vulcan heavy, who knows? We're obviously going to see it first with the side boosters, which are going to be the uh, Gem 63 xl boosters, I believe, from Northrop Grumman. And um, they're actually going to be tested on the next Atlas V mission. Which 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 is the Enroll 101, I believe. Um, They're going to be the boosters. They're going to be tested first on Atlas V on the next flight in the next month. Again, just testing more and more hardware for Vulcan on Atlas V. So we could see Atlas V lasting now for a lot longer because it's literally... 75% 75% a Vulcan, barring the fact that it doesn't look like one. And it's using the uh, RD-180 Russian engines, which uh, the Vulcan won't have, obviously.
1: Yeah, the big question is how well Blue Origin's methane-based engines will
2: work? Yeah, I believe they'll work really well. They're supposedly producing well over half a million pounds of thrust, um, which is higher than SpaceX's Raptor engines currently. Um, but I can imagine Elon Musk will want to catch up to uh, the, B, the those B-4 engines to have uh, more superiority over it, but not a race at the end of the day as long as we get there but it'd be nice to uh, have a bigger engine (laughs) but um, like I say say it was was at the, uh, the little new Shepard launch and the smaller version which is the B3 I think that one that one seems to work really well it's all dependent on flight testing so obviously it's a slightly different setup of the engine compared to the little new Shepard rocket
1: yeah, I really want to see something else from from Blue Origin than the new Sebard rocket. It's well, it's suborbital, so it would be nice to see them give some challenge to SpaceX.
2: One thing Tori Bruno dropped on the BA 4 engines a little while ago, and it was well publicized when they first got the final engine from uh, Blue Origin. Uh, Sorry, it literally all over the news early August or mid August. You uh, were late first engine from Blue Origin, this, that, and the other. Um, they actually got one demo one, actually the very beginning of the year, which no one seemed to bat an alley about, or whether Tori Bruno just literally told me about it, I don't know, it's one of those odd things, but they apparently had a test one early on in the year for pathfinding, for all the basic systems for Vulcan, which next to no one knew about. So they technically got two engines sitting in there, not just one. So the media are a bit behind on that one, so a little exclusive for you there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show.
0: I'm Ryan from the Space Update.
1: I've been Nick.
0: And I'm another Space nut.